Shalom, my friends. It's Tuesday morning here in southern Texas and the U.S., and uh, I am so grateful to God for giving us this facility to come and explore His Word and the depths of His grace together. We're finishing up our series this morning on turning bitterness into forgiveness. And today, as we finish this series, we'll look at the steps to gaining a forgiving spirit. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters throughout the world that will be studying with us your holy word this morning through this and so many other resources. And I pray that you'd guide my clavered up thoughts, my confusion. We know that you're never the author of confusion or chaos, and yet we see so much of that in this world today, and so much of it we bring upon us ourselves, we confess. So clarify our thoughts and our words and our motives. Let it all be to your glory. My brothers and sisters out there are in various stages of life and of uh, dealing with issues in their lives, and I just ask for your divine intervention that you would make yourself very clearly known to the least of us and the, the greatest of us as we turn to you and surrender our lives and our wills and our emotions to you. All these things we ask with great gratitude in our hearts to you and to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Very well. I pray that you have your copy of Scripture handy, whatever translation, whatever language speaks most clearly to your heart, and that you have downloaded the study notes that I've given you links to in previous sessions. And we are in the last phase of this, the last topic, and that is how do I gain forgiveness towards those who have offended me, who have hurt me, who have betrayed me. How do I how do I forgive them? Well, and last week we talked about when we are offended, when we are hurt, God at that moment pours out His grace upon us. That dynamic force from God that equips us with the desire and the ability to do His will. I showed you and made available to you these little graphics that illustrate this. That yes, when we're offended, God is pouring out His grace upon us. And we have a choice to make, do we not? We can choose to receive that grace and move on towards forgiveness and and uh, truly, ultimately, being able to love as He does. Or we can we can reject that grace and move towards bitterness and to separation from each other and ultimately separating in our spirits from God Himself. So we talked about that last week. And we, we do need to realize that God is at work through the offense and through the offender to mature us, to refine us, to strip away those elements of pride that hinder him from really illustrating his own character and nature in us. So, but let's get real here. 
as we we look at this and consider the times when we've been betrayed or offended or or let down in some way or just out and out hurt by someone we cannot ignore that we can't just think that we're being super spiritual spiritual and say oh well that that really doesn't hurt i'm i'm past that now uh no 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 we that's uh unrealistic and that's really that's really untrue it's not being honest. It's dishonest with ourselves and with God and with others. It really, having that kind of an attitude where it says, oh, well, yeah, they offended me, but I'm not hurt by that. Uh, that actually gets in the way. That, that's like, recently I, I, cre- I incurred an injury on my ankle. And you that know me know that I'm diabetic. And uh, having injuries to your peripheral members body parts uh, can be quite dangerous because sometimes we just don't feel the pain we don't even know we've been hurt but vascular small wound on my ankle began to throb and hurt and it it hurt so badly that I finally asked my wife Brenda I said hey can you take a look at this and from across the room she looked at that at it and says what have you done? And came over and we started trying. It was a, a wound that had scabbed over. Uh, pardon, pardon that expression. But it had apparently from an external examination began to heal. And yet it was throbbing and it had began to turn red all around it. Well, we became alarmed and consulted our family medical person, uh, our daughter, and she says, well, you need to be careful with that. You need to treat it. You need to put a second, uh, a particular kind of antibiotic on it. And so uh, my daughter and my wife got pretty serious and uh, pretty direct about treating this. And sure enough, in spite of the scab, this thing was infected underneath the scab. The, you know, and, and so what they have to do? They had to remove that scab. And that was not pleasant. It was the most unpleasant experience to debride that wound. But the fact is, very next day, I mean within hours after them taking the scab off of that, it quit throbbing and began to heal from underneath, from within. And so when we are emotionally and and, uh, spiritually wounded by another person, we can say, well, that's okay, but that's like, that's like having that scab over that wound. Uh, we're not really allowing the healing medicine of grace to get to it. Uh, see, they, my, my wife was putting antibiotic on this thing while it still had a scab on it and wasn't getting through the scab. Uh, wasn't getting through that external protection that my body thought it was putting out there. So she had to remove that so that the medication could get to the wound and that's uh, really a physical metaphor for the process that God uses sometimes the pain is intense and that lets us know that healing has to occur from within does that make sense to you uh, don't don't ignore the hurt it is real pa- the pain is real the disappointment and the uh, the sense of betrayal or or uh, being offended it's real. Don't it, don't ignore that. Rather, uh, may I say, confess it, 
to the Lord. Oh, what that that person said was that was so unkind. You, you know that that's that's all that is. That is confessing that hurt to the Lord. That was so unkind and that hurt me, Lord. Can you help me to deal with that? So that's getting that scab off the wound so that his healing grace can come in and begin to work his work, reconciliation and healing, restoration. Actually, the pain that we feel, the offense that we feel, can be the very motivation for you to cry out to God, like it was. The pain in my my ankle was the motivation for me to cry out to my wife and to my daughter, saying, hey, can you have a look at this? We we can cry out to God and and not mask, try to mask or put a Band-Aid, a spiritual Band-Aid, emotional Band-Aid, soulish Band-Aid over our wound. I say, Lord, I'm hurt here. Can you help? Well, of course he can help. He wants to help. But we have to get out of the way, don't we? Uh, we, we, can, we can cry out to God and receive his grace, his comfort, his strength. Just have that little graphic uh, illustration in front of you and, and really understand and, and uh, commit to that process of his healing. And it's awful, recognize that uh, the terrible costs of, of ignoring His grace, and, and we talked about that already, that that really moves us into a, a very uh, sad place of, of bitterness and frustration, even defilement where we can't truly serve the Lord. And the enemy can use that, uh, that refusal of His grace to really remove us from active service because we're not we're not capable we're not available for God to use us because we have ignored his grace and a root of bitterness according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 through 17 review that rehearse that truth that doctrine so recognize the terrible cost of refusing and resisting His grace and then know that that awful root of bitterness, quote-unquote, the root of bitterness, as Hebrews calls it, which results in defilement, separation, and destruction. And my friends, entire families have been destroyed and separated from one another because of this. We've seen it ourselves very up close and very personally and very painfully we've seen this process of refusing God's grace. Perhaps it's because the people didn't understand His grace or the process that He brings us through. I don't know. But we've seen it in our own family. And so, how do we gain? What are the steps to gaining a forgiving spirit? Well, First of all, we recognize that God is at work. Would you agree with me on that? God is at work in this process and in even in the moment of our offense, of our injury. He begins to work. So we, we may not feel like it. So let's not depend on our feelings. Let's, let's just acknowledge that the truth, the supernatural and eternal truth here that when we're hurt, we are God's children. How do you feel? If you have children, how do you feel when someone hurts one of your kids? Well, uh, you may take the very 
humanistic approach and try to hurt that person back. But that's not what we're talking about. Well, if your kid is hurt, you're hurt. Well, we're God's kids, are we not? We're adopted kids. And so we, we know that God is involved. He responds when his children are offended and hurt. He's a, and he is actually taking that offense and that offender as tool to engrave his character image on us, on our character. And we thank God. He said, I don't feel thankful. Well, okay, this is an act of your will, not of your emotions, okay? Remember, the soul is mind, that's intellect, will, and emotions. And you are acting out of your will. You By your will, and your intellect tells you, okay, I'm hurt, this is what's going on, this is the process. The unseen and sometimes unrealized at the moment process that's going on here god is working to heal me and to he's working to heal not just me you know it's not all about me he's also working to heal the offender there's a reason if they did this on purpose to you then there there's a problem right either you've been ungodly and unrighteous or they are and you they are convicted and they and you were just happened to be in the way and they did it on purpose. It, or they could have done it un, unknowingly. They could have offended you and hurt you just unknowingly. So be, regardless of that, God is at work not only in your life to heal the offense, but in the offender's life. And the, and the offense is a tool. It's only a tool. We can't get mad at a tool, right? Sometimes I, I have. I confess. I confess. I've gotten mad at tools. And that's just the stupidest thing I could possibly do. I can hurl that tool across the room, even break it, and the tool feels nothing. All I have to do is go either retrieve what I've thrown or buy me a new tool. It's, a stu- it's stupid to, be get, to get mad at a tool. But we do it because we don't know what the offense is. The offense is God's tool. I've said to many different groups and audiences that adversity is the sharpest, most accurate tool in God's toolbox, if you will, for carving His image on our character. And I believe that to this day. After 76 years and many offenses, I believe God has used those things to correct me, to prune me, to set me on a right path. He's used it in a numerous way. Secondly, let's discern the character qualities that God wants to develop in us. You say, well, give me some examples. Okay, how about going to the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatian churches in chapter 5, and you know where I'm going with this. I taught on it a couple of months ago, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's go there and consider the fruit of the Holy Spirit as character qualities. Uh, and if you look at them, these are, these are the qualities of Jesus' character. What do you think God wants us to look like? Well, He wants us to look like Him. How did He create us? He created us in His image. Whoa! 
What does that mean? That he wants his character to be reflected quite accurately and specifically in us as human beings. Now, we've rejected that plan several, uh, you know, just over and over again, but that doesn't change the plan. Uh, when, when he says, uh, let us create man, mankind in our image, we are first and foremost spiritual beings. Our spirits live forever. Our souls, our mind, will, and emotion with which we relate to one another personally. Uh, those, are, those are all aspects of our character and our, and our person. And our bodies are the things that we pay most attention to, but, but in the end, let's face it, they're the least important. Not that, not that we need to abuse them or neglect them, but they're the least important because they don't last. They only last 70 or 80 years at best, maybe 90, or maybe 100. But so what? That, so what is 100 years in the face of eternity? It's nothing. It's a, it's a tick of the clock. Right? So why pay so much time on uh, making your body look in a particular way or being in a particular way when that's, that's not the, the enduring part of you? The enduring part is your spirit. So he is trying to instill and refine his character within us. Let's, uh, let's read. Uh, this may not be the best passage, but uh, get your copy of Scripture and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, the first general letter of Peter, and the second chapter. And let's... Uh, scroll down there to verse 18. And here, Peter is saying, okay, if you're working from someone, for someone, and in that culture, in that day, uh, he was address, addressing servants, but really slaves, doulos, right? And he, and he said this, he says, look, have this attitude towards your master's. Your, your authorities over you. Servants, he says. Other translations say slaves. Be submissive to your masters with all respect. You say, well, you don't know my boss. Hey, I've worked for some of those people too. All right? Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable, those who are just nasty people to work with. And I don't know a person on this earth that I know of that's not worked for both kinds of, of bosses. Those that are good bosses to work for and those that are just mean, at least on the outside. Okay, on the surface. They're just mean. And so he says, you're, you're, you're to respect them and be submissive to them. Humble yourself, regardless of their performance. Recognize their position over you as God's instruments and not their performance, whatever it may be. Okay, verse 19 of Second Peter chapter 2. He says, for this finds favor. This is, this is gracious. This finds favor with God. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there? If when 
you sin and are harshly treated, uh, treated, you endure it with patience. What does that? What does that prove? Really, nothing. If if you've if you've deserved the ill treatment or the punishment or the discipline that you you're getting, and you bear up under it, okay, uh, good for you. But you're not going to. We're not going to give you an attaboy or an atta girl for that. No, but, but, if you do what is right, if you're doing what is right, okay, you're not being offensive yourself, you're doing what is right, and you suffer for it patiently, and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Okay, I think I got that. For you have been called for this purpose, and he sets now Christ himself as the example. You have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, he never committed a sin or did anything. And while being reviled and mocked and insulted, he did not revile or mock or insult in return. While he was suffering, he uttered no threats. No, he went beyond uttering no threats, just keeping his mouth shut. He asked his father to forgive those who were offending him, who were crucifying him. He asked his father to forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't realize they are in the middle of accomplishing God's perfect will. He entrusted himself to him who judges rightly, God the Father. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness birth. For by his wounds you were healed. A little quote from Isaiah there. So in wrapping this up, my friends, let me share with you a little poem. Okay, a little poem that I discovered a number of years ago that deals with this whole subject. And I created a, a little graphic here as well, and I apologize for those that are on the podcast. You can't see these graphics, but uh, maybe you can just listen to the poem. The poem starts out, he says, I forgave a man, I forgave a man and set a prisoner free. And then I realized the prisoner was me. I forgave a man and set a prisoner free. And then I realized the prisoner was me. My friends, what does that poem tell us? It tells us that if we refuse to forgive someone who has offended us, then the primary damage is is what we do to ourselves. We don't affect or get even with or get retribution or revenge against that person by holding a grudge, by withholding within our spirit a, a, an attitude of bitterness and unforgiveness. No, we imprison ourselves. God forbid that any of us should do that. My friends, that's the end of this series. I pray that this has been a benefit and a an encouragement to you. 
And I pray that you would allow God the, the Holy Spirit to receive and channel the Father's grace, that desire and ability to do His will and to forgive one another, even as Christ has forgiven us. Pray with me. Father God, we come to you again in Jesus' name. And for His sake, we ask that you would just open up any of those wounds that we've tried to cover and uh, that from previous offenses and that you would enable us even by your grace to receive your grace. Uh, speak the truth of love into us. That first and foremost character quality of love, joy, peace. Lord, those are all to be found as we learn to forgive one another, even as you have forgiven us. And in this we find true freedom. And we praise you for that truth. Now, Father, take these teachings and make them so real in the lives and hearts for the people who are within the sound of my voice, that they would be freed from the captivity of bitterness and set free to love and to minister in your name, even as you have to us. We ask all of this with a grateful heart towards you, my Father, towards Jesus, and towards you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.